0: Open your Bibles to Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. We are in a series of messages from the most famous sermon given by Jesus as recorded by Matthew in chapters 5 through 7. This series is called Visible because we're learning that Christians are called to be the visible expression of God's kingdom on earth. What we're learning is sort of like when you travel to another country and the way you look and act defines for people you meet whatever American is like. I've been to Africa a number of times, where I was the only Texan someone had ever seen. So the way I acted is now for those people what they have in mind anytime they think of a Texan from America. If you call yourself a Christian, the way you live defines for unbelievers what it means to live as a part of God's kingdom. So much of what Jesus has been talking about in this series is about healthy relationships and what those look like for Christians. I'm glad Jesus talks so much about relationships in his sermon because much of the work that we do as church leaders is help people develop healthy relationships. There's, of course, your relationship with God, and then there's your relationship with classmates and coworkers. We spend a lot of time talking about your relationship with friends, fiancés, and family members. Usually, people welcome our explanation of what the Bible says about healthy relationships, even when what God has to say is hard to live out in everyday life. There is one relationship though, that when a preacher talks about it, it can make people uncomfortable. We read about it in our passage today. Jesus speaks about our relationship with money. Look at verse 24. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus personifies money. Do you remember this literary tool called personification? It's when you describe inanimate objects with human-like characteristics. This is what Jesus does in this passage. Money is like a person that will either rule you harshly or serve you faithfully. And you get to decide what type of person money is in your life. In the first century, religious leaders modeled an unhealthy relationship with money. They focused on material wealth rather than the heavenly things which filled them with all kinds of darkness. Jesus will define for his apprentices what God intends for a healthy relationship with money. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24 divides nicely into three parts. Verse 19 through 21 teach that money is first for building God's kingdom. Verse 22 and 23 warn that greedy eyes fill us with darkness. And then verse 24 instructs us to serve God and not money. So start. Money is first to build God's kingdom. Look at verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For there, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this is a command. As with any command, it requires choosing to obey even when we don't always feel like obeying. Now, if you're, a list, if you're listening and you're not a Christian, you can ignore what I'm about to say. You actually get to spend your money however you want, and I'll come back to you later. Jesus requires his followers to use their money to build God's kingdom. This is not an optional part of the Christian faith. When you chose to follow Jesus, you gave God permission to set your monthly budget. And after you get some money, the first place you'll spend it must be on heavenly treasures. In other words, you will give the first part of your income to advance God's kingdom. This means faithfully giving to the church you attend. It means participating with God to save the lost, restore the broken, feed the hungry, heal the sick, and bring justice where there is injustice. This means we prioritize building the kingdom of God over building our closet with extra clothing and bellies with excess food. We must put God first when spending, even if that means we can't get that next piece of furniture or take that next trip. I wanna be clear here because the Bible is clear. We must commit the first line item in our budget for spending on heavenly things. So Jeannie and I use financial guru Dave Ramsey's budgeting tool called Every Dollar. I like how the top line item is giving. It reminds us what the Bible teaches and what we hear Jesus commanding. The teaching of the Bible about money is hard to obey because money always whispers. Worship me, I can make you happy. And in a way, that's true. In his article, Want Stuff? Why We're Driven to Buy More, Dr. Reagan Gurung says, long discussed as retail therapy, research supports the notion that buying is a coping response and is tied to stress and depression. While not the antidote for everyone's ills, shopping can provide short-term relief for many. When we buy something, a chemical called dopamine is released in us, making us feel, at least temporarily, happy. This is why you feel good each time you add to cart and complete purchase. And it's why a highlight in your day is when that delivery person shows up with whatever you purchased. It just feels good. Of course, like most things in moderation, there's nothing wrong with spending money on earthly things. But when you're spending the money God provides for you on things that can decay or be stolen to the neglect of using your money to build God's kingdom, you are living outside of God's established boundaries for your finances. And this could reveal that your relationship with money and the pleasure it provides has become more important to you than your relationship with God. Maybe this is why Jesus talks about money more than any other one thing in all of his teachings. We're all tempted to let money and what it can buy take the place of God in our lives. Listen to Jesus in chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I used to think this meant our money follows our heart, like if you have feelings for something, then it'll get your money. And that seems reasonable, but I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. He is saying your heart will follow where you decide to spend your money. Put your money where God wants your heart. God wants your heart to be on heavenly things, not on earthly things that will decay and can be stolen. So I must first make the decision, Will I obey the commands of Jesus? If yes, then I prioritize generosity toward building God's kingdom and my heart will follow. If no, then I'll build my own kingdom of earthly things that will decay and can be stolen. And the best I'll ever experience is that temporary high from a purchase. That's it. Now let me say a word to those of you who would not call yourself a Christian. If you follow Christ, your hard-earned dollars get to go towards something that will make a difference in another person's life beyond their days on earth. Christians give not to earn God's approval, but in response to what God has done for us in Christ. So speaking of earthly things that will decay and can be stolen, are any of you watching what's happening in the stock market? Late January, the normal trade of company shares was disrupted by amateur investors. Basically, billion-dollar hedge fund companies bet against companies like GameStop by short-selling their shares of the company, but a group of amateur investors fueled by social media bet the opposite buying up GameStop's cheap shares. So, in less than a week, the price per share went from $30 to $340. This meant that hedge fund billionaires lost millions, and retail investors made a lot of money. I promise you, those who lost money experienced it like a painful breakup, and those who whose money, uh, they gain money, it felt like making a new best friend. You may or may not understand or even care, but I say this to illustrate the point. The value of earthly things is always changing, but the value of heavenly things lasts forever. Does this mean we should not keep money in a savings account? Does this mean we're supposed to live paycheck to paycheck? Well, the audience to whom Jesus spoke did not have anything like the savings accounts we have today, and most of them did not have a regular paycheck. So it is a different context for sure. But the boundary Jesus is establishing for our money and how we relate to it, it remains the same. One's life does not consist in the abundance of their possessions. Therefore, use your money first to build God's kingdom. Now let's look at verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So this passage is a little tricky, but we can read it in the context of these verses that Jesus is talking about money. The healthy eye or diseased eye is not meant to be taken literal. Instead, Jesus is talking about a greedy, covetous eye. I see what others possess, and I focus on it, believing. If I have it, I'll be more happy. I become greedy. When we focus on materialistic things, our lives are filled with darkness, Jesus says. And the opposite is true. Think of a generous eye as being opposite of the greedy eye. When I am generous, my entire life becomes healthy. A generous eye is the source of light to our entire bodies. An evil, covetous eye is a source of darkness. If I have greedy or covetous eyes, then I will find it more difficult to obey Jesus' teaching about spending money on heavenly things. Now, there's something to be said here in application about limiting our our exposure to advertisements. As I'm sure you know, companies know how to convince your brain to buy their products. A good advertisement tells us what we need, sometimes even before we think we need it. It offers us a look into the ideal life, the ideal body, the ideal mate, all wrapped in an ideal world. You find it difficult to limit your spending on earthly things you ought to keep from looking at so many advertisements. Unsubscribe from retail email lists, unfollow those influencers who are paid to promote products. I make the point because greed in our hearts starts with information taken in first by our eyes. And if this is out of balance in your life, you will spend only on earthly things and disobey God's command to invest in heavenly things. This brings us to the third and final part of the section. Look at chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. You cannot serve both God and money, Jesus says. Pick one master. This is completely in line with the teaching of Jesus that requires a wholehearted commitment to God. I'm reminded of the time that Jesus said to the rich young ruler, If you want to be perfect, go, sow what you have, and give to the poor, and, you'll be, and you will have treasures in heaven. And come and follow me. But the Bible says the young man heard that Jesus said that, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I must admit there are times that I feel actual sadness when I cannot buy something or spend money on doing something and still be faithful to give the first part of the, my income to the Lord. And if you're mad at me right now that Jesus is telling you how to spend your money, I wonder if what's beyond that anger is actual sadness that money can no longer be your master. Jesus is once again here calling every listener to this rigorous ethic of Christian discipleship. And this may be enough to keep you from wanting to become a Christian. If you idolize earthly things, then you'll not want to invite God up on the throne of your life. And that is certainly your choice. But if you choose to worship money and what it can buy, the best you'll experience in this life will be that dopamine purchase pleasure. And you were created for so much more. You were created by God to partner in his work of establishing an everlasting kingdom. Nothing you can buy in this world can compare to participating with God to save the lost, restore the broken, feed the hungry, heal the sick, and bring justice where there is injustice. This is what happens when you choose to worship God, not money. When you choose to store up for yourself heavenly treasures. This is why Jesus refuses to let his followers settle for less than what God wants for his children. So practically, what do we do? If you're not a Christian, you get to choose to serve either God or money. If you choose to serve God, the money you earn becomes a servant to you through whom God is partnering to establish his kingdom. If you're a Christian, you must consider how you respond to the command by Jesus to focus your money on heavenly things. The simplest test of this is to look at how you spend your money and ask, is the first part of everything I earn going to the Lord? And everybody asks, well, how much should I give? This is between you and God. But we do see in the Bible the command to tithe, which is one-tenth of earnings. And before you say, there's no way I can give God that much, I want to let you know that research shows most Christians are far from giving a tithe to the Lord. Christians give an, on average, 2.5% to their church. And this is down from the 3.3% Christians gave during the Great Depression era. And religious giving is down 50% since the 1990s. So the issue is not, are we going to give 10%? The issue for most people is, are we going to give to God at all? This really isn't about money. It's about wholehearted obedience to God's command. Now, in case you're wondering, this church is not in financial trouble. We have enough weekly to pay staff, rent meeting space, support local nonprofits, and help the poor. But by my estimation, less than 25% of the regulars are giving anywhere close to a tithe. I'm not trying to be mean, but as your pastor, I just need to be honest. And it could stay that way. But if it does, we will not be able to do some of what God is calling us to do on mission. And more seriously, it'll reveal that we have attenders whose hearts are not first on heavenly things. Now, before you think, well, Russell, you just don't get it, I do. We have a family of six, and every single month we have to decide, are we going to prioritize giving to the Lord? And not once have I ever regretted giving to the Lord over the ability to purchase something. How about you? What needs to change your relationship with money? Will you take a step of faith in your finances by giving first to the Lord when you earn a wage? Will you increase your giving by 1% just to experience something fresh in your relationship with God? Or will you make excuses about why you cannot obey? It's really up to you. If you're annoyed that I'm talking to you about this very personal relationship with money, I, I still love you. And if you disagree with what I'm saying God requires, then let's talk about it. No matter what, you're still welcome at this church even if you decide not to prioritize spending your money on heavenly things. But you will miss out on the joy of radical generosity available to all those of you who will see their money as given by God for heavenly things. This is a tough teaching but I didn't want to hold back because Jesus doesn't hold back. And your relationship with money can so easily become the most important relationship in your life. And what Jesus is calling his followers to is to trust God wholeheartedly. Let's think on and pray about these things.